guys. Today we have on Greg Lindsay. Greg is a wealth management advisor for Northwestern Mutual. He started his career back in 2012 full time, but actually initially started with the internship program in August of 2011. So Greg's been incredibly involved in Northwestern Mutual and experienced a lot of success. He's actually at one point been a college team coach, uh, college unit director. He's also been pretty heavily involved in the leadership team to continue improving the development and recruitment processes of the St. Louis office. In the last three years, Greg has grown his practice to the MDRT, which is the million dollar roundtable status. And that's top 6% of advisors in the world. And we're not talking just in Northwestern Mutual, we're talking all of financial advisors. Today, Greg's gonna talk to us a little bit about his journey and how he's created success. He's gonna talk about um, maybe a little bit of the importance of having a financial advisor and then the, the really, really um, incredible internship program that they have. And then at the end, we'll obviously open it up to how you can get in contact, Greg, about whether it be advising or the actual internship program itself. Greg, how's it going, man? It's good. It's good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to have the conversation today and looking forward to it. Yeah. And did I, do you know what? I forgot to mention out, weren't you, uh, did, don't you have a couple of rec league basketball championships under your belt as well? You know, it's uh, back at Mizzou back in the day, you know, 20 pounds lighter and, you know, a lot more hair. I, you know, had a couple of belts under, you know, that, that I, I still have the t-shirts in my, my closet. So I send pictures to my buddies every now and then just to send a reminder. Absolutely. We'll put that on our website too. If you want to send us that picture. Yeah. But, overall, uh, just, just ridiculous athlete. Yes, exactly. Well, we appreciate having you on. Um, I guess there's so many different places that we can start, but starting out because this is the the internship podcast, this is tailored towards college students. And there's a lot of people probably right now trying to figure out what the fuck it is that they want to do with their lives. Why don't you start from there? Talk to us about, you know, why you were at Mizzou um, and give us your story of how you came to be where you are today. Yeah, that's a good, I'll try and make it not so boring, but also, you know, explain some of the finer details of it. So I, I started off, I actually went to a small D3 school in Illinois to play basketball because coming out of high school, they, you know, told me I would start and play. And I thought it was, you know, living the American dream at a, it's called Knox College in Illinois, where the, the population of the school was actually smaller than my high school, um, <laughs> 19, 12, so. Uh, it was a bit of a change of pace, and I had been there for just one semester and just decided that I hated it. I missed my friends. And I was glad I tried it and that I experienced it and didn't just shut that door without giving it the you know the chance. But I decided to transfer to Mizzou, where then I essentially started on the finance and banking um, major. Uh, so I chose that as my major. And along the way, you know, you just go there, knock out the general credits, did all that. I uh, took three classes, which allowed me to put a minor in real estate on my resume. So, you know, never hurts to just do that, too. But I have, you know, not not a whole lot of idea or background on on what that does for me. But I just tell people because it sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started in college. I, my GPA was probably like a 3.3. So I wasn't like a, a, a study buddy or studying all the time, um, you know, frequented Harpo's and Fieldhouse and Big 12 at Mizzou often. And I, I applied to a couple even business fraternities and, and was turned down just because my I didn't have anything on my resume. I didn't have any internships. I didn't have any great experience. Um, so part of the reason why I had interviewed with, with Northwestern Mutual was I was just wanting to put something on my resume. 
you know, I, I was just like, I need something. I want to get into being an advisor. Um, I always grew up wanting to be a teacher and a, a coach, like a high school teacher and a basketball coach. Yeah. But I really teachers don't make any money. So I was like, well, that's probably not the route I want to go. And then I found like being a financial advisor was pretty cool for me because I don't really come from a financially savvy or a really financially stable family. Uh, we call them the Lucky Sperm Financial Club uh, where I'm from. So I, I don't come from that. And I wanted to get into the internship, basically get on my resume, get some good experience and then decide after that if I wanted to go from there. And then when I was so I started my internship in August of 2012, sorry, 2011. And to be honest, I was probably one of the shittiest interns there was at, <laughs> at the time. So what, wait, let's, let's pause there for a second. Why, why were you one of the shittiest interns? Yeah. So, so typically it's, it's primarily a summer internship. So typically it's, you know, from the end of May, beginning of June, to like a late August, September time is, is where we have the bulk of the interns. So that's usually anywhere from 10 to 15 interns per summer where they can work full time with us and essentially do exactly what an advisor does. For me, I was interviewing in August and got the offer. And then I was going back to Mizzou for my victory lap uh, where I was taking nine credit hours and was, you know, focused heavily on um, social uh, interaction. You know, there was no so social distancing at that point in time. So I was right. trying to go out as much as I could. Um, and so like for the, from August to December, I, you know, your, your goal is to get 10 clients within about four months. I got two clients within five months. So I graduated and, and my boss essentially was like, well, I, I think you're good at it. You could be good at this, but I don't really know. Um, so I guess we'll just give you an extension. So they're supposed to give me a one month extension to January to get the rest of the clients. I failed that one. And then basically I didn't get it until middle of March. So somehow, you know, God willing, my, my boss or mentor, who's still my mentor to this day, saw something in me that, you know, I didn't even think I had in me at the time and, and just trusted me to eventually figure things out and grow up and mature. But, you know, something that typically takes an intern eight, you know, three months to do took me about eight or nine months. So that's where I classify myself as a, as a pretty shitty intern when it came to it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, Greg, uh, we talk about this. So Dan and I were not the best students. Um, you know, I definitely focus heavily on the, the social aspect. Um, yep. But it's, it's just interesting to see. And obviously, like, I think getting, getting good grades is incredibly important, incredibly beneficial, right? But, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you hear more and more stories of people that weren't necessarily the best students or didn't put all their efforts focused on there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get into the real world, you get kicked into the teeth a little bit, right? And in your case, you probably, you know, were running out of funds because Northwestern Mutual is one of these companies that it's just, you're 100% you're commission. So what do you think yep. it was that kind of flipped the switch for you? Yeah, one thing I want to hit on that you just talked about was, you know, I, I joked about this, you know, my first eight years of doing this. I, I finally told my parents this, but I, I waited eight years because I was always scared. When I was in college I, or after college, I learned more in my first year of being a full time advisor than I did in my four years of college at Mizzou. Yeah. <laughs> I was reluctant to tell my parents that until I had a couple of whiskeys in me uh, about a month or two ago. But <laughs> They were actually pretty, you know, they were like, yeah, it makes sense. But what I told them and what I've told a lot of people when this has come up is the one thing I learned about in college was how to talk to people. 
and and networking and just how to have a conversation with anybody from any walk of life and to try and build a you know whether it's a friendship or a professional relationship or a networking opportunity that's the one thing that I think I I focused on and just came natural to me that I really enjoyed about college whether it was you know playing basketball and just catching up with guys that you see playing at the rec every day or working out in the gym or you know, going out or hanging out with friends, whatever it was, that was the biggest thing that I took away from college. And I think that sometimes goes, you know, under mine where the the GPA and the, the huge resume is such a, is very important, I think, but it's, it's not the only thing you have to have to, to be successful. Um, you know, there, it's, it's just different for different jobs and different, you know, if you're going to start your own business, you just got to know different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I, I think that's, uh, incredibly um, insightful right there because we're pro- I think we're probably similar in the sense of like, I don't necessarily know what I got out of like my college degree, but when I look back at it, like I would never, I would never take back going to college because of the relationships that I built, the ability to learn how to network, like as cliche as that sounds, the ability to like um, just understand how to develop a um, you know social con- like social constructs like how everything works and uh, and how you can use that to kind of leverage yourself from like a communication standpoint right mm-hmm. yeah couldn't agree more yeah so with that being said you know obviously you you got the job you've been a full time financial advisor eight years you you made this incredible club the million dollar roundtable which like I said it's not just for Northwestern Mutual advisors but it's a uh, top 6% in the entire world. So mm-hmm. is there any bit of advice that you receive, any quotes that you can, you can go to that have always kind of stuck with you as you've been able to build that success? Yeah, uh, there's a, it's a good question. I think everybody's got, you know, a mantra or certain things that stick with them throughout the years as they progress in their career. The first thing I want to make clear is that just because you make million dollar roundtable, it doesn't mean you made a million dollars. Um, sometimes people ask that. It's like our, our joke inside the industry. I wish that was true, but right. uh, that's, that's not the case. It's just like a, a landmark group or like, uh, you know, sportsman's club or, you know, something like that in the industry. But, you know, best career advice I've gotten and, and a lot of the, everything that I say or that I teach my clients or that I teach my interns or that I, I work on, you know, with my own personal coach who I, I pay, uh, everything I say or do is just something I've learned from someone else or that I've read. So I never try and take credit for anything that that's said, but a couple of the things that the best advice I've ever gotten, one is, and this one sticks with me the most, just in my industry is that people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I think that's relevant in a way that you could be the smartest freaking guy in the world and, and, you know, know more about investing or financial planning than anybody. But if, if you're not genuine and you're not yourself and, and people can read through you, you're, you're just going to get your shit handed to you day after day. So there has to be some forms of empathy and understanding just how, how people want to be heard and understood rather than just knowing that you're really smart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so that would be one. Uh, another one is, and this is something that can correlate to anything. This could correlate to, you know, my relationship with my wife, uh, friendship, anything like that. And I, I, it's, 
the, the, I don't know if it's the exact quote, but here's what I put it as is, is listen with the intent of understanding rather than listening with the intent to respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you want me to elaborate on any of these, just let me know. I can. Um, and then another one is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So I think a lot of people have heard that. So that's, you know, a lot of people in our industry, they have all the talent in the world. They have the charisma, they have the look, right. And then, you know, they know a lot of people, but they just don't work hard. And so someone who may not look the role or what you would think that would look like an advisor, uh, if they just work their ass off and do what they're supposed to do, they're going to beat that person who has more talent than them every day and every year and, you know, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, uh, those are really good quotes. I really like uh, the one that hits with me that at least recently is definitely um, is, man, what's that? So I already forgot it. Greg, say the, say the, the listen with the intent to. Yeah. Listen with the intent of understanding rather than listening with the intent to respond. Yeah. Listening to the, with the intent of understanding. There's so many people that sit through conversations, whether it's a networking event or like you said, with a personal relationship that they have and they're sitting there waiting for their turn because they already know what they're going to say next instead of yep. like actually understanding what they're saying and then responding in a way that, that, um, that actually communicates it. Listen, like I understand, I get what you're saying and having a conversation. I think there's so many times everybody's just waiting for their chance to talk. Yeah. And you can just tell when someone is too. And, and whether you're, you're, you know, at a bar drinking with your buddy or you're in a meeting with a client, you know, relative to your career field field, you know, they're going to, they're going to read through you like a book, you know, like they're just going to see, like, they're not really listening. They're not hearing, they're not, affirming whether it's nonverbal cues or verbal cues that they understand what I'm saying. And that immediately, they may not tell you, you know, you could go through a 45 minute meeting and walk out thinking you just did the best thing and you got a sale coming your way. But all you know, in reality, you were a douchebag because you didn't listen to them and, and they're not going to give you your business. And then you don't know why they don't want to meet with you again. Absolutely. And that's something I had to learn a lot though, is you know, this is just through thousands and thousands of meetings with people. Like you got to fall on your face. You got to know, you know, how your response is and, and, you know, just nonverbal and verbal cues to, to affirm like, Hey, I, I hear what you're saying, or if I hear you correctly, you know, uh, it's just, I think it's just important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually like the, uh, the third quote you mentioned where, you know, basically hard work beats talent every day. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but, um, I just read that today. Uh, I was looking at some interns cause I'm thinking about hiring on somebody, who just recently graduated. And I totally agree with that because I meet so many people who I feel like when I meet them, I'm like, holy shit, this person could be great. You know, they could do way better than I ever did or whatever, but they're not willing to put in the, the work almost. And they're not willing to get, take the risks or anything like that. So I really love that quote. Yeah. That was one question I'd like to correlate it back to when I was mentoring and recruiting interns. <laughs> A question I would always ask is for someone to give me an example of a really, you know, trying time or a, a challenging time in their life, whether it was personal or through school or whatever it may be, where they had to really kind of have some grit and push through and, and work hard. Because you can interview the, the top tiers of the talent in the world, but I, I want the people that know how to grind and know how to handle adversity and know how to be mentally tough in times when things don't go their way. And that's where I think that that grit and hard work will persevere over someone who's just, you know, extremely smart or interviews well. 
Yeah, and, and Greg, it says here at the, as the college unit director, at one point you were mentoring 20 different interns in a single year. So I couldn't imagine how many actual interviews that that took. But do you have any stories of us of interviews that stood out, whether in a positive or negative way? That's a good question. Positive way, I think, I really think that it, it almost piggybacks off the, the, the ability to listen. Because in our career as an advisor, you have to listen to people and understand that, you know, you're asking them about all their goals and dreams and hopes and all these things. In an interview, you can pick up pretty quickly if, you know, an intern, you know, candidate is just interviewing with responses that they think are good or if they think, you know, that are actually answering your questions. And so that was one thing is, is whatever stood, what stood out to me was, was always when people repeated back to me what I said in the form of the answer. You know, so if I asked, hey, what's an experience that made you tougher or made you stronger? You know, and they say, well, here's an experience of how this made me stronger. And then they tell me the story and they say, this is why it made me stronger. You know, I think just giving examples of, hey, I heard what you asked me. Here's what you asked me. And here's my story. And here's how it applies to your question. And I think just people who answered things that were more polished that way. And I think sometimes it was people who did more interviews before. Uh, rather than just only doing interviews when they wanted to, you know, you yeah. just kind of tell them a little bit more polished. I think that's important as a as a college student. But I would say that the the things that stood out to me were just when they were, you know, very forthright. You know, asked, you know, answered my questions directly and didn't try and jump off on a tangent about other things that they thought were their own strengths. Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's a really good one, and it's actually a tactic, uh, or not a tactic. It's just like a it's an exercise you can do. So it's, uh, it's called reflective listening. Like you said, it's, it's, it's essentially repeating back what the other person said, like just in a different way, like kind of in your own words. And it's an incredible way, an easy way to build rapport. Cause as soon as that person hears like, Oh, this person repeats, you know, this person is saying kind of what I'm saying exactly. It's something triggers in their head that says, okay, they get it. They understand me. They're listening to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would be something of the, the good experiences uh, from the the bad experiences. There's one that stands out to me. I we already had a, an intern from uh, Lindenwood here in town, Lindenwood University, and he had referred in his buddy and his buddy. I think, you know, he was a pretty sharp candidate. Like he had this he kind of had some swag. You know, he answered pretty well in the first interview. He, you know, looked the part, you know, looked like he could you know carry himself pretty well and answered questions pretty well. And I think a combination of that, plus that his buddy was already an existing intern, I think he thought he had everything in the bag. And uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't the case. And so, so the homeboy comes back in for the second interview and he's got, you know, he's got, I mean, he had like surfer, like California long blonde hair, like, I mean, just a gorgeous human, if I'm going to be honest, <laughs> and, you know, and he came back in with this like pink Hollister polo on. And these like bright khakis and I don't know, some, I don't know, some other shoes. I don't know if they were Birkenstocks or whatever. We came in and we sat down and we had assigned him pre-work before. Like he had to get like a couple market surveys done, which was like 10 questions to five different people, which is, in my opinion, pretty easy to do. And mm-hmm. he didn't do it. So I was like, hey, did you get those done? He's like, no. I was like, hey, did you get this stuff done? He's like, no. I go, well, I think this interview's over, but it's been good talking to you. And I just walked out. And then like, oh, man. Yeah. he was like, and then later on, he, he went back to his buddy. He's like, well, uh, I guess I fucked that one up. Uh, so yeah. yeah, he didn't get, the, he didn't end up getting a job with us. Uh, needless to say that summer. So no, just, I think, shit. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
I think, uh, I think so many people, I think it happens more than uh, probably we talk about where people think just because they know somebody that's doing well, they think they have the job or because somebody does what maybe well on the first interview or whatever it is. It's like, especially in college, right? Like there's so many people that can do like well in college um, and, or just like, or, you know, be that frat star, right? Like I was the most popular person. I was, yeah. you know, champion of my intramural sports team. Like I almost come in with that mentality of like, I'm owed something. Yeah. And, and then they get kicked in the teeth and realize like, no, like you're not owed shit. Like you're, at the, you're back to the bottom of the totem pole and you have to work just to get asked back for a next interview. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think it, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's so hard to, you know, you know, there's all these different generations. There's the boomers, there's the Gen Z, Gen Y, millennials, you know, everyone has their different attributes like pros, you know, cons and pros and strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, you got to you got to understand what's what's going to help them understand that, too. So it's also important for the people interviewing to give them the best chance to succeed and give them the best opportunities at times, too, because sometimes they just may not know or there may not be classes that teach these things. So it's uh it's such a weird dynamic these days because you know me just turning over i'm 31 now geez it's terrible to say um but like 10 years ago like i can't even you know i don't even know what i said in my interview anymore what the questions were it's and it's it's changed so much just based on expectations of each company so it's i don't know just a strange strange thing i kind of i kind of rambled there but you know whatever you know you're good and it's it's one of these things where we do a we did a podcast on this on interview prep in general and it's it's going to come off really apparent whether in an interview whether you want a job or whether you want this job right like yeah. it's it's super like again how by how much you prepare by how much you're ready you know by how well you're communicating and then even the, the types of questions that you're asking right so it's like if if people if somebody comes in and you ask them to do the work and they don't do the work it's like okay you're just here to go through the motions and you're thinking you're just going to land a job and you're going to be fine. Right. But yeah. what these people don't know is you guys have one of the most lucrative and this is a well-known thing, uh, internship programs in the nation. And with that being said, it's um, you've got a bunch of people applying to the roles. So you guys can take your pick from whoever you think is going to be, you know, whoever wants the job most and whoever you think is going to be the most successful. So why do you think that is like, what, what makes Northwestern mutuals, internship program stand out from the rest yeah that's a great question i think you know trying to take myself like take a step back and and out of the northwestern mutual system i think just looking from the outside in the the biggest thing i can say is if you're an intern you're doing the exact same thing that i do as an advisor on a day-to-day basis so it's you know the the thing when i was mentoring or trying to recruit people was you're not just going and getting coffee for certain people. You're not getting the mail or, you know, paper off the printer. Like you're making phone calls to, you know, people who you know, who you like and who you care about that you want to just introduce yourself and and what you're doing with the internship program to see if you can help them in their financial plan on some level. So you're, you're literally getting as much real world experience on a day-to-day basis. You go out into meetings and we have what you call as joint work, where you set up meeting with your uncle Bob, who's uh, you know runs his own business, and then you partner it up with an older advisor who works with business owners, and you go out and you see the entire meeting, you see the dialogue, you see what questions are asked, 
Then in the next meeting, you see a, a presentation of, hey, here's what you were wanting to focus on, Uncle Bob, with your financial plan. Here's our recommendations. Here's why. Like you see the whole process from start to finish on how we give our advice and our method uh, behind it. And then eventually what we, we encourage them to do is then start going on and doing meetings on their own. So where maybe it's not with Uncle Bob, who's a 50-year-old advisor, but if there's a you know young couple or a young individual who's a young professional, you know, go meet with them, go have conversations, build up your own, you know, fall on your face and fail so that you know what to do differently the next time. So I think it's just you're, you're in the grind and, you know, we give it, you, you can do as much as you want with it. You can take full advantage of it or you can just, you know, you can get kicked in the teeth a couple of times and, you know, build some resilience either way, but you're going to learn something and be able to develop skills that you're going to be able to apply in other jobs either way. So I've had a lot of the former interns that I mentored or, or coached have come back to me and usually they're clients of mine now. And, and they'll say, man, I learned so much in your guys' internship. It, it wasn't a good fit for me to stay with you guys full time as an advisor, but the skills and, and everything I learned, I'm so thankful for because it helps me be better at my role and it puts me a head and shoulders above the other candidates that maybe were in the same similar boat as me. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you learned, I think everybody should go through some type of sales, right? Like the, the ability to learn some form of sales is going to help anyone, whether you're getting into sales, you're a financial advisor, you're an accountant, or you're in IT. I think Tim Ferriss has a quote that talks about your level of success is going to be predicated on the level of difficult uh, questions you can ask and conversations that you can have. And yeah. I really feel like, you know, asking somebody about their, their financial state and being able to like talk into that and like talk to someone about everything that anything finances. Like, I think that's just a difficult conversation for anyone to have, no matter if you're rich or just starting out building some wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And no, a lot of the conversations are, it's what I tell people now, I almost do this more. I, I'm just more of a personal coach. I feel like more than an advisor, like people turn to us and they turn to their financial advisors respectively for their knowledge and their expertise in the field. But it's also just, they just want someone to listen to them. They just want somebody to, you know, Hey, how are you? How are the kids? How's your wife doing? How's your job going? You know, just very often in society, no one is sitting down and asking you what's going on in your world, how you're doing, what your goals are, right? No one does that in my experience or very few people do with a genuine willingness to want to learn that and help that person. And I think that's just something that you get taught in the internship program is, is how to ask those challenging questions that are thought provoking and, and help people you know, see that how you can build rapport, not by talking, but by asking challenging questions at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And no, all that's good. And I wanted to go back to where you said you had interns that would, that maybe didn't work out for a financial advisor role, but they took that experience and they got some positives out of it and they used it for the rest of their career, whether they were selling pharmaceuticals or whatever. And I think that everybody listening should pull from that and realize that even if the, your first job isn't, you know, what you're going to do forever, you can pull a lot of good things out of it that you can use later on in your career. So I just want to make a quick point there. I think that was awesome. Um, one question I have. So with, with Northwestern Mutual, what's the hiring process look like? So let's say I'm a student listening to this and I want to go through the internship program or I want to be a financial advisor. Do you guys hire financial advisors 
who didn't go through that internship program or do you only promote from within and do you need a degree? Just if you could dive into that a little bit just to understand the hiring process a little bit better. Yeah, good, good question. So I'll try and keep it simple because there's a lot of different ways. So from an intern, I'll start with the internship perspective. So we, we hire both interns and, you know, career changers. So people, we just recruited and we had an advisor convert over to Northwestern Mutual that was 45 years old and was a, a essentially a C-level at Johnson & Johnson for 15 years. But he just didn't have any job flexibility and he just wanted to have more flexibility to be time with, spend time with his family. So we, we do both. But on the internship uh, perspective, you know, really, it's obviously get, getting names out there. It's, it's similar to our, um, you know, my business where we, we rely on referrals from other students. So, hey, who do you think would be a stud or a stud at, you know, at this specific role uh, and is in a finance background? So a finance background is encouraged, but it's not a necessity. Like in my office, one the guy in my the office next to me is a former scientist. And the person next to that, me on the other side is a former veterinarian. And they're both wild. You know, so it's it's not like you have to have the background because we have one of the best training, um, both full-time and internship, but training modules and training development. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that we've had, Northwestern's had awards for that because we do a pretty good job of that. So in the internship program, you know, you have your first interview and then we, we send a couple follow-up exams and pre-work. So we do this exam that's called a culture index. Yeah, so I don't, I do those. yeah. So we we uh, the the guy in our our home office in Milwaukee actually is the one who created that. Um, cool. And so we we've, we've been using that for I think five to ten years now. And a unique th- this personality test is one of the only personality tests that you could actually use and stand up to hold up in a court of law because it's so accurate. Um, wow. And what it tells us is if your personality traits are actually geared towards being successful in this career. So there's a certain model that we look at. There's about 15 to 20 different models. And what it measures is, are you personable? You know, do you have a, are are you driven? What's your attention to detail? You know, and a couple of things, and and it measures your logic and not necessarily like your intellectual logic, but your emotional logic of, can you rebound from getting kicked in the face or, are you kind of going to fall down and just take it and then not really progress from there? So it looks at a lot of those different things. So we evaluate all of those also, including the interview process. And we decide if we'd be a good fit, you know, and we tell you, Hey, here's the, here's where you're going to struggle with this. And here's where we think you can succeed with this. But these are some things that we can also coach you on and develop you on to be better. So it's a couple interviews, a couple evaluations and some homework of, you know, go out and talk to some people and get some interviews done and, and then there's a three-week training program to go on full-time in the internship. Um, and then you do that, and if you succeed, you can qualify to go full-time from there. Uh, is, that, is that good and clear yeah. on the internship? Yeah, no, okay. that's, that's great. And so, after, and, and this is one question I wanted to ask just to kind of shine light on both sides, the good and the bad, right, is, you know, when I got out of uh, school, I played on the golf team, and um, <laughs> about four years after I graduated – other guys who were on the golf team had, had eventually graduated and three of them decided they were going to be financial advisors. And so that, you know, it was funny because it was like every year yeah. one of them would reach out to me and, but none of them actually like did it for their whole career. Like they're doing different things now. And so I looked it up and it looked like the turnover rate was around 36% on average based on wealthmanagement.com. 
Um, and so I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts there? Um, why, why the higher turnover? Yeah, and I would tell you, I don't know the exact figure, but I, I think it's almost twice or more than twice that number is the actual turnover in the industry oh, really? uh, that we typically see. And that's a great question. I think there's a couple responses that are appropriate. I think the first one is a lot of people just don't really fully know what they're getting into when they run their own business. So you can relate it to the field of financial advising or, or any person who's starting their own businesses, really how hard you have to work, how many hours it requires you to put in in a week, and you know the amount of times you're going to get kicked right beneath the belt and it's going to hurt in the stomach for, for a day or for an hour, right? So like you just have to like take so many swings at the plate and you're going to strike out and you're going to strike out, but you got to keep going back up and trying to learn how to hit the ball. And I think so often it's just, it can be so emotionally draining that people just aren't built to sustain being told no so many times. Yeah. Because we, we have a numbers, it's basically a numbers game. There was a 25 year study that they did on, on advisors at Northwestern Mutual, and this is used uh, industry wide now on some level. But it's basically for every 10 introductions that we get, three people are going to meet with you and one of those are going to become a client, right? So, and that, that's to build a successful practice. So you're, you're going to hit 300. So to be successful in our career, you're going to hit 300. You're going to be told no seven times. Then you're going to get three yeses and then you're going to get two more no's after that. So yeah. you're going to get one yes every time you hear nine no's, right? Yeah. So you just, most people don't have the mental fortitude for that ratio. Yeah. And I love that because I mean, just when I started my business, it was the same thing. It was a numbers game. Uh, and I knew like, let's say I did a hundred calls and I ended up with eight clients. Well, that's a really good, you know, conversion. So I knew the next hundred or 200 calls, I probably wasn't going to get much just cause I got, you know, it, over the long run, it all averages out, um, with what I do as well. Um, but no, that, yeah. I agree with that. And I do recruit like loan officers, um, who are pretty much commission only. And so I see turnover there as well. And it's almost they don't they don't stick with it long enough maybe to be successful. Do you see that ever where you know they, where they just kind of take the job with the high base salary and whatnot and then they leave uh, when if they would have just stuck around it would have started clicking with enough uh, I guess attacking the process for long enough. Yeah, it's, I think it's different at different financial firms. Like I, I've because when I graduated, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but when I graduated, I interviewed with four other firms, financial firms, and had offers from all, all the other four as well. But what stuck out, there was a couple of things that stuck out to me. And, and most of those, what, the way it would work is they would offer you a base salary for one or two years, or they would offer you some form of a draw for one or two years. So they say, hey, we'll pay you 50 grand for two years. But after that, it's your job to build your book up enough to replace that and hopefully, you know, amplify that on some level. Yeah. And I think, or, or in Northwestern Mutual's case, your first two years is completely all 100% commission and you got to eat what you kill. So, you know, if, if you don't get out and grind Monday through Friday and make the calls you're supposed to and, and go and do the numbers game, you're going to fail. Like we, it, it's a, it's a foolproof system. Like we know you're going to fail if you do this and we know you're going to succeed if you do that. And that was the difference for me is I'm not the brightest screen in the box. 
but Northwestern Mutual was like, hey, if you make this many calls a day and you keep this many appointments a week, you can't fail. And I was like, well, all right. I mean, I may be an idiot, but let's just go ahead and do it and try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was a year in and, you know, I was like, all right, this isn't bad. And then I was two years in and I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's picking up pace and five years, Northwestern Mutual, their, their thing is if, if you make it five years, there's a 98% retention rate with a company to retire. So wow. you just have to get through those five years. The analogy they use is like eating a shit sandwich, yeah, which is you know really appealing. Um, you can either take really small bites of it and take that five-year window and spread it over eight, or you can take really large chunks of it and eat it in three years, right? So if you do more than what they expect on the, the activity and the numbers and the phone calls, then you're going to speed that up. Or if you're, you know, take a year off or slack off, you know, it's just going to take longer. It's like building any business or building right. your, you know, career path anywhere, whether it's corporate level or as a business owner, you got to pay your dues and you got to eat your shit. It's just how yeah. quickly you want to do it. Yeah. Here's kind of a, uh, a, it's on the topic, but a little bit out of left field. So you obviously started your college career like playing sports, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the, there's like whatever I'm recruiting for a sales role uh, or whatever it is, like, and it's uh, super similar to what you guys do. It's, it's, they want to see college athletes or people that have like participated in sports, uh, in some capacity. And you joke yep. around and say like, you're not the, you know, the brightest crayon in the box, but at the end of the day, like there's this certain amount of mental fortitude to that, to being able to do the same thing over and over and over again, and then eventually know that it's going to turn, like you're going to get better, like you're perfecting your craft, whether it's practicing and shooting a hundred free throws or getting on the phone and making a hundred calls. Do you see any correlation to that in what you recruit? So your question is, do you see, you know, the history of playing sports to be applicable to professional career? Yeah. Especially, in, especially in your industry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's something I, I, you know, I, I, joke, I just finished watching a Shaq life Shaq's TV show on TNT. And that was something he alluded to. He goes, my favorite word in business is equation because I can equate anything that I do in business to basketball or to sports. And I thought that was interesting just hearing that from him because he is wildly successful. And, and obviously I have nowhere near the level of success he has, but it's just like that, you know, you're going to fail, but it's quick turnover, right? Like I was, I played basketball a lot or even in any sport, right? You got to get, you, you basically say, Hey, I had a clean slate. That happened, you know, and a lot of the times when you fail, it's, it's probably something on you. So I think there's like a, a, a good time to, you know, be upset or be mad you didn't get the sale or that, but also to be self-reflective and wonder how, and, and look at how you can improve uh, moving forward. So it's like, hey, I missed that free throw, but why did I miss that? You know, what was wrong with my mechanics? Hey, I didn't set that appointment because I should have said this instead of this. And it's just repetition after repetition. And, you know, now at this point, it's when I'm talking to someone or calling someone, like I pretty much know exactly what I'm going to say, regardless of what they say, because I, I have a set, you know, language or a set, um, you know, obviously I'm going to listen to them with intent, but it all comes back to similar things. Like I know, a no initially doesn't mean no every time from somebody, but you also have to do it with grace and dignity and also be respectful of their space at the same time. And it's just like, you know, continue to shoot free throws or continue to, you know, take penalty kick practice shots or football, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's completely applicable. Sports is, 
I think applicable to almost anything in life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Greg, if, uh, if our listeners are interested in either uh, having a financial advisor or finding out a little bit more about Northwestern Mutual's internship program, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So the, the best email address to reach me at would just be my full name. So it's gregory.lindsay at nm.com. So that's G-R-E-G-O-R-Y dot Lindsay's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at nm.com. Uh, most people usually mess up the A and the E in Lindsay. So mm-hmm. just don't make that mistake. Or yeah. we wanna... We'll put it on our, we'll put it on our website. We'll, uh, we'll put it on our uh, social media and our, uh, uh, everything else as well, just so it doesn't get twisted. Um, yeah, works for me. Cool. Well, I think that's all. That's all I have. Yeah, that's all I have. We want to obviously be respective of your time, Greg. We appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving us this, your insight. Um, yeah, I hope to talk to you soon, man. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Best of luck, everything moving forward, too. All right, thanks. See you.